What did you guys get from the interwebs for Christmas? I got women worst and lobster. Yum. HBR Talk with Hannah Wallen. It started with a guy's accurate comment that choosing the wrong woman can ruin a man's life. Unless Twitter was hiding the rest of a conversation from me, that was just a standalone statement he posted, an expression of thought which had been retweeted enough to garner some attention. Then, feminists found it. One retweeted it with the whataboutism, well, choosing the wrong man can end a woman's life. That comment was drawn to my attention, so I mimicked her, retweeting with the comment that this was true in the reverse, too, accompanied by some links to evidence. So we've established at this point in the conversation that choosing the wrong partner can ruin or end a person's life. People should be entitled to vet potential partners for character and in fact expected to do so. Yay for intellectual freedom and personal responsibility! That wasn't satisfactory to the feminist, who flounced and whined about the discussion, eventually claiming men only talk about their experiences with bad women as a retort to women's discussions about bad men. When it was pointed out to her that in this discussion, she'd done the gender reverse of exactly what she was accusing, she got upset because God forbid anyone object to her choice to do something she objects to men doing. She flounced and bounced, throwing a spectacular tantrum and blocking to avoid further responses, then sent in the reserves. Feminists, too, used shaming language and balked when she was made fun of for it, quickly disappearing behind Feminist 3. Feminist 3 took me on a long, largely random journey in which she picked up Feminist 1's women worsting and ran with it, trying to make the entire discussion which, remember, had started with a point about men's experiences with women they shouldn't choose to date, all about female victims of partner homicide and how she felt that reflects on the entire male population. Attempts at rationally discussing the phenomenon of family violence only freaked her out. For example, as discussed in HBR Talk 113, why is equally shared parenting legislation so important? We know that female-initiated violence is the majority, more than two-thirds, in fact, of family violence, both in intimate partner violence and child abuse. Research also shows a strong correlation between female initiation of partner violence and injury to the female partner in a bi-directionally violent domestic dispute. Trying to get a feminist to discuss a man's defensive violence as a consequence of a woman's violent assault on him is like trying to coax a cat into a bathtub full of water. The degree of twisting and verbal contortion to avoid seeing the woman's agency in such circumstances hit gold medal level mental gymnastics. Those of us on the men's issue side of the discussion couldn't possibly be talking about important considerations when addressing family violence. We must be saying real men know how to keep their women under control. We couldn't care about children's experiences of abuse. We must be saying all mothers are bad. The Troller Coaster took us on a wild ride through various forms of family and neighborhood violence, citation of statistics, discussion of social phenomena and its potential causes, and every point or counterpoint that was made, she hedged, twisted, fled, and raised an army of straw men in her replies to avoid one particular element of the conversation. Recognition that women's actions can have consequences and women have the power to prevent those consequences by exercising mindfulness in their choices. She reacted to that as if it was lava, 
jumping from comfortable talking point to comfortable talking point in order to avoid touching it at all. The same thing happens when discussing reproduction in relation to men's issues. Child support and paternal surrender are directly related to the variety of available choices by which women can take control of their fertility. Discussion of the adversity inflicted on men by existing law is answered with victim signaling on behalf of single moms, as if those options don't exist. In the 20th century Western world, no woman ever has to experience an unplanned pregnancy as a result of consensual sex, but should we point that out in response to that victim signaling, we're the devil. Argue with opponents of paternal surrender or with abortion advocates, and you'll find that women's role as agents in the conception of their own children is, again, lava. Even in the men's rights community, the way we discuss pregnancy and custody issues ignores that agency. What do we hear in discussion? Not that any woman and man conceived together, but that he got her pregnant. And even if the father doesn't take all the blame, the mother is still exempt. She falls pregnant, right? It wasn't because of anything she did. She was just minding her own business, walking down the street when, whoops, she slipped and fell on a treacherous patch of pregnancy and down she went. No sex was involved in the making of that baby. Why, the poor girl was visited by the insidious knock-up fairy. Have some sympathy, you misogynistic heathens. Don't you know motherhood is sacred? We can't discuss father's rights without butting up against the deadbeat dad myth, which can't be debunked without pointing out who initiates most divorce and how frivolous the reasons often are. The response is not to examine these factors, but again, to call us misogynistic for considering them. One cannot point out that it's not a man's fault his wife was disloyal with another man, lest one get accused of calling all women sluts. Discussion of due process in criminal court means having to recognize that although the crime does occur, some rape allegations result from misidentification of the perpetrator and some from outright lies. Try to explain how such mistakes and lies can lead to heavy consequences for the wrongly accused and feminists will try to transfer the debater's blame of liars and bad systems to all women or to female victims of male perpetrated rape. And there's that nickname again, misogynist. And it's totally not misogynistic for feminists to lump false accusers in with real rape victims. It's just misogynistic for us to differentiate between them. Bring up female perpetrators and we're in a whole new doghouse. It can't be as bad as when men do it, right? The personal boundary and bodily autonomy violation just can't be as traumatic because women don't have that kind of power. And certainly, if the victim is made a father against his will, we can't talk about the can of worms that opens up for him nor can we speak from the standpoint of viewing his child support obligation to his rapist as a financial punishment for being raped. That's just too much culpability to impose on the woman who raped him, and of course, the lot of us are stark, raving misogynists for talking about it. And we're probably also gay. This is one of the biggest blind spots in our society, where personal agency and accountability intersect with femininity. It's not like that because people can't see it or because people can't recognize it. It's because they're reverse to looking at it. It's like staring into the bright, glaring sun. It hurts to contemplate it, and people can't stand to focus their attention on it long enough to really see it. They'll look anywhere to avoid the burning, painful reality. The question is, what can we do about that? 
Tune in to HBR Talk as we discuss women's agency as society's blind spot and how this complicates the men's issues dialogue. You guys already know the rest of that. Hello and welcome to HBR Talk 114. The concept is lava, society's aversion to seeing how women's choices matter. I'm your host, Hannah Wallen, here with Badger-in-Chief Allison Tiemann and Nonsense Annihilator Lauren B. to stare into the abyss of one of society's greatest fears, acknowledging that women have control over their own choices. But first, we're choosing to share some other important information. If you haven't already, please head on over to badgerfeed.com and register to receive notifications. We can't make YouTube give us fair treatment, but we can pick up their slack by offering that information to you ourselves. And we can't stop corporate entities from engaging in political discrimination, but we can provide you with an alternate way to support our work. That's why FeedTheBadger.com is the most stable way to help. So remember folks, information is power and we have it. Go to BadgerFeed for information and Feed the Badger to help us share that information. And uh, speaking of sharing information, don't forget to smash that like button and share us on every social media site you use. Grab some popcorn, throw open the gates of reason, and uh, unleash your friendly neighborhood badgers on normie society. Set of political commentators who recogni <clears throat> recognize women's role in bringing about the consequences of women's choices, the rest of the world won't even know what hit them. But women don't have choices. They can't make their own choices. What are you talking about, Hannah? <laughs> All women's choices are actually men's choices, including choices in their own brains, which were really men's thoughts. I mean, if you take uh, our mainstream beliefs about gender to their logical conclusions, women don't exist at all. Think about it. You know, we, we do seem to get, in, in some ways or another, we do seem to get told that. Like, I, I actually have had feminists argue to me that essentially the conse consequences of women's choices are such that women might as well not exist. And I've, I've actually had that, that conversation uh, more than one time, in more than one environment, more than one way, for more than one reason. And it's, it's just, it's this constant harping on, on the idea that it's not, there's no uh, signature of the woman, there's no fingerprints of the woman on the consequences of her own choices. So it is a lot like being turned into a ghost. It is a lot like not existing. Yep. That's what I have said in the past. It's essentially removing an essential part of being human, which has having the cons your consequences to your actions recognized in the greater world. And I use a I use a um an anecdote. And it's from from the history of architecture. Do you guys know what brutalist architecture is? No. It's if you've ever seen buildings that look like a flat slab of concrete, sometimes with like almost like prison windows pressed into them. Mm -hmm. Just just really harsh lines and no sense of humanity no sense of intimacy that's brutalism and in i think the 60s and the 70s there were a lot of public work projects that would drop brutalist architecture on poor neighborhoods 
without any consideration of uh, the effect, the psychological effect on the people in the neighborhood. And what would end up happening is this, well, this alien monolith would just land in your neighborhood and the people in it would start to deface it and put graffiti on it. And the reason why, the psychological reason why, is because it wasn't part of their community, it didn't reflect their voice, and they didn't actually have a voice in its creation. So they were trying to, they were trying to etch their words into something foreign, something mm -hmm. that had denied them a voice. And I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about how the way that we structure our perceptions of women, it's almost like we put them in a void and they are lashing out and screaming to have any kind of effect on the environment around them, any kind of recognition that they have an effect on the environment around them, which is a part of developing yourself, an adult self. And, and what men do in many cases is they erase all of it and just leave that blank, brutalist, concrete slab so nothing, like nothing ever happened. And then women just continue to scream into the void with no recognition of their actions for the rest of eternity. It's sort of like, I have no mouth, but I must scream. <laughs> and I was just speaking about of, this. I have this discussion with, um, with people who advocate certain behaviors toward children that are, are reprehensible, and they, they will argue that children can consent to those behaviors. And my first thought is children aren't even able to decide, like children of that age, the age that, that I usually end up discussing, um, aren't even able to make the decision as to what they can have for dinner. And, and if presented with the ability to do whatever they want, they will eat ice cream every day until they get sick and die uh, because they don't necessarily have that kind of control. Um, giving somebody everything they want when their choices are obviously bad is incredibly damaging. And yet that's what women demand of men. Yeah, it's, it is what they demand of men. And um, the thing is that men shouldn't be in the position of being a parent, not keeping them, well, keeping their kid from eating ice cream every day. Uh, but the problem is that women often don't develop that kind of uh, a recognition of the consequences of their actions. They don't develop that understanding that if they don't like a circumstance that they find themselves in, they are the ones who are most likely responsible for it. And I think you guys listening, I know some of you have developed a drinking game. You take a shot every time I say the word responsible or roam. So uh, <laughs> I think you're, I think you got yeah, a good buzz on right? tonight. <laughs> yeah, you're going to you're going to be three sheets to the wind. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's the developing the sense. And I think it starts from childhood that your actions, you, you need to maintain a control over them. You need to make decisions and not just emotional decisions, but maintain control over your emotions and make sure that they're working for you. And if they're not working for you, don't make a decision based on your emotions they should inform your decisions they shouldn't direct them and yeah. um i don't think girls are really taught that and no it's not to their benefit and it's not to their benefit that they're not taught that their consequences have serious actions or repercussions and it starts with you know young boys are expected to behave themselves they're expected not to express anger um in the same way that girls are allowed to express anger not to hit uh girls I mean, that's a big thing boys are taught to 
understand and perceive that their actions have effects on girls. So yeah. they are From being raised. They start teaching yeah. toddlers, do not hit girls. Yeah, so they, from the very beginning, from the very beginning, boys are taught that their actions have effects on the world around them, specifically on girls, but in general on the world around them. Girls aren't afforded that. They aren't taught that as consistently. They're taught to maybe be, to be nice, but not to realize that their actions have serious consequences to other people. Right. Well, well, they women have been women, girls, females have been shielded from the consequences of their actions. And it's it what results from that is is sort of like a stunted growth. You know, they, they don't they don't learn how to behave like adults because there's always someone around to pick up the slack and, you know, cover the tracks of of the things that they 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 do that may be wrong and you know that's where we are right now you know we have a a completely different um set of stages of development between the sexes it Mm -hmm. is like it's not just um not just a few things it's a, a few things that are huge and a lot of things that women think of as small but they're a big deal for a guy if he fails at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, one of the things that's huge is uh, basically gathering one's own resources to to meet one's needs and uh, serve one's interests and and provide for uh, anyone that's under one's care. And guys, like I grew up with boys who started working when they were ten. They had paper routes. You know, a lot of girls started my, in my neighborhood, started different jobs in their teenage years, started babysitting, stuff like that. Um, I, I started working, technically I had a job that was similar to a paper route in the level of, um, responsibility that I had, uh, but not in the level of work that I had to do. My work was, um, I, my parents ran a photo business. And uh, they did portraits and they did weddings and stuff like that. And it was all film-based, of course, because back then there wasn't digital photography for, you know, I think there might have been some digital stuff at the medical end. But there wasn't, you you couldn't go out and buy a digital camera and go photograph weddings when I was an 11-year-old kid. Um, so you had multiple rolls of film from any event that they went and photographed. And in order for the the uh, customer to be able to identify which images they were ordering, they had to be able to tell you which negative they wanted printed from. So the job involved going through the different rolls of film, and each roll had its own uh, letter designation. And then I would have to read the numbers on underneath each of the negatives, and on the back of each uh, picture with a sharpie that, that uh, I had to use kind that wouldn't go through the picture, you know, on, on the proofs, the, the set of images that the customer would get that they could use for ordering their pictures. I had to write those numbers down. And there were always deadlines. Um, there were a lot of pictures. There were a lot of rolls of film. And so I had work um, two or three days a week that, that would take longer than it would take to, to run a paperwork, but I wasn't doing it every day. And uh, I had to be meticulous, and I could not get one number wrong. Because if I got one number wrong, 
that then that that meant somebody might order the wrong picture and that could cost hundreds of dollars so there was there was a lot of responsibility there um i'm the only girl i know that that started working that early and i was really proud of it i was proud to go out and buy things with money that i earned myself and uh and it was that that was a very uh, character building thing for me most of the girls i know got babysitting money in their teens and they used it to buy things they wanted they used it to buy makeup they used it to buy you know clothes and stuff like that but they never really spent it on anybody else and they never got the fun of treating somebody to you know even just like a a milkshake um or or treating somebody to a candy bar or getting a book for somebody with that money until till they got older and and it was perfectly acceptable to be like entirely selfish with that money most of the guys i know started working at you know that started working at that age did things like paper routes where they had they were responsible for making sure a set of houses got their paper um every day without fail regardless of the weather they there were some of them that mowed lawns with push lawn mowers that i mean you screw up with a push lawn mower you can lose your toes yeah. Uh, you could bleed to death if nobody's there to help you. Uh, and uh, so there's, like, these are kids that, that had, you know, big responsibilities. They shoveled shoveled walks, um, went around and, and helped do yard work at various people's houses in the neighborhood. You know, so it was, it was definitely more labor-intensive work. And, uh, and it was definitely, um, their money was harder earned than mine, in my opinion. And they were more readily uh interested in sharing it in one way or another um they were proud like me of being able to buy things they wanted but they would buy things to do with their friends two-player video games and and uh sports equipment and stuff like that and and it was <clears throat> you know as they get older they get into high school boys earn money so that they can take girls out on dates like girls don't earn money so they can take boys out on dates not, not most of them anyway but boys earn money so they can take girls out on dates so this level of maturity uh and and this understanding that your um your gains are are partly for the purpose of taking responsibility for your end of your engagement with other people um boys learn that for the most part at a much younger age than girls. Girls hit it about the time they become mommies. And uh, if they if they learn it at all, um, they, they learn it at about that point. For the most part, they don't learn it really before that. So like that's that's a big difference in the development. And I think that's a big part of the reason, not that everybody should have to have a job when they were 10 years old, but that difference in the expectations that we put on boys versus the expectations that we put on girls, um, that's, that's a big difference. And I think that makes a big difference in the adult's development of recognition. You know, hey, when I make a decision, when I um, want something and I go out and get it, when I do things in my community, what I say about people and what I say to people and, and so on, I did that. That was me. It was my responsibility. And what happens to the other person as a result of that? I did that. That was me. 
and and it makes it very hard for women to judge the the validity of their choices if they can't look at this person has this consequence because of what I did or this person gets this benefit because of what I did and they can't take pride in the latter and take measures to avoid the former uh, does it make sense to you guys yeah um yeah I, I actually want to remind people before we continue that YouTube does judge our channel based on whether or not it makes money. So we could lose it if you, and we don't really, a lot of our stuff gets demonetized. So we're basically running on super chats. So if you do have a question or a comment, you know, send a, send us a super chat. If you want to give us like something over $10, I would suggest going to feed the badger and doing a one-time donation. Um, if you uh, do it through PayPal, you can send us a message. I can keep that up so we can see whatever messages come through if you want to do it that way. But please do put through those super chats and uh, I'll hand it back to Hannah. Sorry about the interruption. Oh no, that's no interruption. I was I was done and was waiting for somebody else to chip in. You know, something else to say. Well, the thing is that it's just, it's, it seems so evident to me that this is uh this is something that needs to be addressed um apparent uh so it's it's like a and, and it seems really self-evident that this is an issue and i know that we talked about this a lot yesterday on the on the new year's eve stream how women and men to some degree seem to be act acting like recognizing women's agency or the that women's actions have consequences to themselves and those consequences shouldn't be eased or removed by men well first of all it sounds misogynist to most to a lot of people but it, they react almost like there's a terror there and i think this is really rooted in our current identities in in our society this idea that women sort of exist as a measuring stick for men's actions. So instead of seeing women's consequences as something that they should be afforded as a matter of course, they instead see that as a, a place where men should intervene in order to, I guess, earn some sort of karmic good boy points and mm -hmm. uh, preventing a woman from being hurt, even though it is her actions. And even though without being afforded her actions, she doesn't develop that adult sense of self. And she is screaming into the void of nothingness. I mean, could you imagine that? Like, it's, 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 it's an existential horror to not recognize that your actions are the primary, the prime motivator in your own life. And what does feminism do but take that from women? And like, place I, it I, on men. Yeah, place it on men. I mean, I've read so much feminist stuff and all it is is a reduction of... Uh, Women into um, it, 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 everything is like men are the prime movers of everything from a woman's actions to a woman's thoughts to a woman's choices. And women are, they, they, it's like you're trying to, it's so interesting. Feminists regard someone like me as a misogynist. When I look at what they're doing, it's almost like they're trying to erase women out of existence entirely mm -hmm. and just replace them with a bag of sand. I don't know. 
Like just 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 replace them with nothing. Like just a just a, a an infinitely reactive nothing. Um, and it's uh, it it to me it's disturbing. And it's like I don't know where else what else to to say about this. Um, maybe we could talk about the um the Twitter exchange in more detail. Well, there's a or... there's a couple of things that I got out of that because look what she kept redirecting to. This was initially, you know, the guy made his comment. And then I, uh, who was the other twit, um, or tweet, I should say, uh, besides this chick, um, was, okay, so there is an account called The Transformed Wife. I follow her, she follows me, we don't agree on a lot of things because she's, I think, a, a submissive wife. And, and I don't, I don't do that, I don't, I don't want to put everything on my husband. Um, like, we're partners, right? Uh, but in any case... Um, she, she had something she said, uh, the, the better transformed wife, uh, had taken issue with, and the better transformed wife got my attention by taking issue in a completely dysfunctional way, like she could have had good arguments against what the transformed wife said, um, but she didn't. So somebody, I had, I had gotten into a huge argument with her about something else in another thread somewhere else on Twitter, and somebody who had seen that drew my attention to her response to this and that was when she she said the thing about you know women's lives being ended by getting together with the wrong guy um that was what the the third feminist whose name i can't even remember she was such a a non-entity she just kept repeating the same thing over and over again but uh one woman a week in Australia is killed by her husband and I keep I you know the first time she said it was really bad grammar too she's like a woman is killed by her husband in Australia every week and I kept thinking how the hell does that woman keep coming back <laughs> <laughs> like I I only did it once and it was really hard um I can't imagine having to do it every week it's just emotional labor. Jesus, you know. The cat came back the very next day. Yes, the cat came back. Thought, Thought it was a goner. But the cat came back. Just wouldn't stay away. Well, you know, and okay. the dumb thing is like, all right, so the statistics out of Australia place one woman a week and one man a month, almost two men a month. So essentially one man just just passed every two weeks um and it's the number isn't really all that different i think if i remember right um just it's just it's just a few in in difference there and this is the one thing that feminists want to focus on simply because it is the only area of family violence in which women are not the majority of perpetrators it's well, the, actually, can I can I just interject I just in Australia? Only, it's the only area of murder in which men are not the majority of victims, or men are boys. But go can ahead. I, yes. Yes, because um, I remember somebody who did a research project where they tracked domestic violence murders in Australia uh, as reported by the police, or reported, and uh, and then there's also the the report by the news agency, which I believe is obligated to report those kinds of uh, convictions and they tracked it over several months to a year I believe and they actually found that the rate at which women kill their family members 
And by family members, I mean children, husbands, boyfriends, you know, mm-hmm. and girlfriends. Uh, and I guess, I don't know if Australia has same-sex marriage, but girlfriends. So women that they're in an intimate relationship with. The rate at which women are killing all of those people eclipses the rate at which men kill their own family members. It's just that they have narrowed down onto a specific, a very specific type of domestic violence, which is men, uh, which is which isn't even men killing women. It is wives being killed, wives or girlfriends being killed, versus husbands and boyfriends being killed. And they zeroed in on it, and then they erase in part the perpetrators and simply present it. I mean, everybody thinks, right? They say one woman is killed every week in Australia. And they, they think, oh my God, those horrible Australian men, they're so horrible, they're, they're so vicious, you know, they're taking a note from the wildlife. But what they don't realize is that not all of those murders are perpetrated by men. Oh, yeah. right, many of them are perpetrated, many of them are perpetrated by female partners, and they're being attributed to men, to all men. And I dare you to find that statistic that actually makes, actually distinguishes it. And I was looking at the numbers and I was just shocked at how many women were being killed by their female partners. It's massively disproportionate to, I assume, how many lesbians or, or bisexuals or, or, or women who just hate men and want to live with women are, are in Australia. This is, a, this is one of those um, ways in which feminism hurts women too. If you're a woman... Yeah and you're assaulted by another woman, you are seen, and this is, this is basically what happens when a man is assaulted by a woman, obviously, you are seen as an equal uh, uh, actor in that assault. Even, and I know this from experience, even if all you do is try to escape the clutches of your assailant and you don't hit back and you don't fight back and you don't try to hurt your assailant to get away, if all you do is try to push out of her grip, you're in a fight. You didn't, uh, you didn't uh, get, get beaten up. You're in a fight. And that's considered fighting back. Because she's a woman. If you had that same experience with a guy and you were a woman, it's a totally different thing. A woman can, can beat the shit out of a guy to get away from him. And she's not seen as an assailant. She's seen as justifiably acting in her own self-defense. So right. Be- when because... you have lesbian violence, and and I have seen lesbians get vicious, unbelievably vicious. Like I cannot imagine wanting to live with somebody who who takes their fingernails and and carves you know a, a, a roadmap of their anger on your chest in a restaurant in front of other people. Uh, but I've seen that happen, and I've seen I've seen scratch marks. On, on faces, I've seen hair pulled out in clumps. Um, you you hang out with lesbians, you you meet the whole spectrum from completely functional relationships that are that are complete mirrors of heterosexual relationships, what people expect in heterosexual relationships, uh, to just this absolute mess of of uh women with issues who have gotten together with each other somehow and have turned into i guess a parody 
of of uh, the worst dysfunctions that that feminists describe in heterosexual relationships. Everything that feminists say about heterosexual relationships can apply to lesbian relationships. And when that happens, when when one woman beats the hell out of another woman, her partner um, over over a conflict, the electric bill didn't get paid on time. Uh, you know, some other chick was talking to her. They get the same kind of jealousy that, that women have towards their male partners. Uh, it, it, people treat it like it's just a fight between two girls. It's just a chick fight. Don't get involved. And it's, it's really bad. Um, so I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all to hear that, that a, a disproportionate percentage of uh, deaths at the hands of one's partner are are uh, had among uh, lesbian partnerships not at all yeah it's it's just the the removal of culpability from women and it's the same thing that just like in the UK where you know they say that women can't rape men you know it's it's just a complete removal of their agency <laughs> you know yes women can rape men but it just because there was some backwards law that was instated doesn't take away the fact that a rape happened you know it just says well no we'll just reduce this to a lesser crime and uh you know oh it's all good only men can rape that's bullshit it's bullshit well i you know i i want to by the way, hello. Um, sorry I'm late. But, hello. Um, happy New Year. <laughs> but uh, Happy New Year to you as well. I'm drinking not Bailey's Irish cream, but Blarney's Irish cream, which is the discount Irish cream. A giant bottle for just $45. Um, but uh, no, it's, it's essentially, uh, they do make it uh, a lesser crime. It is considered a lesser crime when a woman does it to a man or when a woman does it to a boy. Um, and, uh, and there are a whole bunch of, uh, you know, sort of, there's a whole bunch of documentation surrounding it, you know, from people like Mary Koss, you know, that essentially say, well, the, the psychological impacts just aren't as significant for uh, men who are victimized in this way or who perceive themselves as victimized. And, you know, when you actually look at the negative sequelae, not just the, the, uh, when you, when you look at the, um, sort of the long-term outcomes, not just what the victim tells you that they're experiencing. Um, cause if you just take their word for it, you know, when they tell you what they're experiencing, it really does often seem like men just don't, suffer negative sequelae to the degree that women do but when you actually look at sort of the the you know pattern of drug addiction you know alcohol abuse productivity uh, difficulty sleeping lack of productivity uh, inability to concentrate suicide yeah. suicidality uh difficulty forming relation intimate relationships all of those things they're they're pretty much on par um whether it's a man or a woman who's been victimized so and and whether it's a man or a woman who is the victimizer so i mean like i'm i'm just not buying it being a lesser crime you know and i i would kind of you know i'd love it if the uk did what canada does and just call everything sexual assault 
and and uh, the only difference would be the degree of severity of the sexual assault. Everything sexual mm -hmm. assault, though? I mean, everything, because Canada may have gone over a cliff. Okay, well, yeah, you, there, you know what that, I mean. You, yeah. you know what I mean, though. Refer yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Referring to rape as sexual assault would be better, actually, in, in the long yeah. run. It would take a lot of the stigma out of it as well, uh, in terms of trying to prosecute the crime, trying to deal with the the help. And I'm not talking about like the victim stigma, stigma where you're considered tainted, you know, by the rapist, but the the idea that this crime out of all of the other crimes that can be committed, yeah. this crime is so special that we have to handle it a different way than all of the other crimes. Uh, yeah, it's all the, of the worst of the worst. Yeah. No, right. and it's like that that was one of the things too, right? Like when Jamie Kilstein went on Joe Rogan and uh, I ended up making a video about it. Um, but I was I was just like, he he said, he said, you know, well, rape is worse than murder because the victim has to live with it. And it's like, oh, so, well, yeah, why don't we just give clemency? You know, it'll be a mitigating factor if the rapist kills the victim after he rapes them, right? Because he's sparing them the, the fact that, you know, from having to live with the, the consequences of what happened to them. Yeah, it's, he's doing them a service. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, like what, what the fuck, right? You're literally telling all of these people, everybody who's been raped, you believe, you fully believe that one in four women have been raped in their lifetimes, and you're literally telling them you, you'd actually be better off dead. Might as well just blow your brains out. Yeah, and and this is this is something that to to hear that over and over again is really really galling, especially after <laughs> working very hard to not give the perpetrator headspace. Like they mm -hmm. don't they don't own your thoughts. They don't own your ability to have interpersonal reactions or interactions with other people, relationships with other people. They don't own your ability to be happy or not be happy in your life. And to have somebody sit there beside you in in the world, right? Not necessarily right next to you, but have that voice in your ear all the time. You'd be better off dead. What happened to you was so bad. You can never get over it. Uh, you're not allowed to ever be happy again. You're not allowed to trust men again. You're not allowed to trust women again. You're not allowed to... Uh, and enjoy anything in your life without thinking about the fact oh but i was raped once and that was awful um yeah can yeah. you imagine for just for the sake of argument because there is such a thing as like and i didn't even know the term poly victim until we started looking into title nine i would not have i i, I never would have thought of it um until until i hit that point but imagine getting to your mid-40s and realizing that as a five-year-old you were trained to be a doormat and a target and you didn't learn better until you were almost 20. And so you experienced a shitload of pain and suffering because of that. And then once you started getting past um, the, the lack of understanding of how to establish and enforce your own boundaries, how to communicate those boundaries and how to communicate I am ready and willing to establish and enforce my own boundaries, so don't tread on me, uh, so that you wouldn't be a target all the time. Um, imagine achieving all of that and, and getting to your 40s before you had words to explain, you know, hey, I have achieved all of that, and getting into arguments with people on social media who are like, well, that's all illegitimate. You have to go back to being the person that you were at, at 12 years old where you hadn't, didn't have that uh, capability. 
and go back to yeah. being a target and go back to being a victim. And you're not allowed to be anything else but a victim for the rest of your life because we yeah, need and, that from you. Exactly. And and that's why, like, <clears throat> you know, the, the the Australian law that, that says that, you know, well, rape is not as psychologically damaging to men as it is to women. I'm sorry, but do you live in every man's head? No, you don't. You don't know what a person is going through psychologically, man or woman. Yeah. Right? It, that's why it's not, it's not even... Well, recognized I think often, as a science. I think often too, you know, like men don't know what they're going through psychologically, right? They they'll often just be in denial because the the stigma for them uh, in terms of being victimized is is much greater. I mean, everybody accepts that women can be victims and women can be victimized and and all of that. Mm. Um, everybody acknowledges that it doesn't make them uh, any less of a woman. In fact. Uh, at this point in our culture, uh, victimization, being a victim, is actually part and parcel of being female, right? And if you're not a victim, then, then you know, there's something wrong with you, right? And uh, But for men, it's the exact opposite. And so often they just, they will not look at it, right? It will affect them. It will affect them very deeply, but they maybe are not consciously aware of the fact that that's what's affecting them or or consciously aware of the fact that this is where all of the negativity is coming from can i just add on to that with this uh you're gonna have to pronounce it for me sequelae sequelae i have a problem too my i don't know why my brain wants to just discard the first e in the word and i have to look at it more than once before i see that yeah sequelae okay so one of the things that i've uh i've realized sort of helping people or or doing like our group therapy stuff with with depression is that when you're depressed in many cases you don't really know how you feel you can't mm -hmm. really identify an emotion because your emotions are what have has shut down and in my own experience of depression i can be deeply depressed and not realize it because i'm not sitting around crying my eyes out or bawling about something. In fact, I don't necessarily feel any pain at all, and that's the problem. It's like a complete and utter numbness. A shroud has come over you, and you can't even really identify an emotion, much less a negative emotion. Yeah. And a lot of the way that the mental health industry looks at depression is that, oh, if you're depressed, you're supposed to be crying or upset or in, you know, like in, in, in mental anguish all the time. It's mm -hmm. like, that's not how I've experienced depression. How I've experienced depression is that you walk into a void. And the way that I've picked up when I'm depressed, aside from the suicidal thoughts, is my productivity goes to complete shit. Like I stop being able to do anything. And, uh, and part of the reason why is because nothing is motivating me because my emotions are all gone. And so I have no sense of pleasure when I get something done, no sense of motivation to, to get anything done. That's and how it, I so experience it, depression. It's completely yeah. lethargy. Yeah, yeah, it's just like you just can't do anything. Yeah, you so, look at everything like, what is the point? What is yeah. the point? You get M hedonia. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a lack of pleasure. It's also, in many cases, a lack of pain, a right. lack of anxiety. It's a complete void. And when I've been in it, I, I couldn't have told you what I felt like. 
And I yeah. think a lot of men, it's not even beyond men. I think mental health industry doesn't really understand depression or what depression, like the, 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 what the traits of depression really are because they seem to focus on this idea that you should be crying all the time or, or expressing your sorrow. Yeah, when that's that, not my experience at all. No, I cried yeah, less when like, I was depressed than I do when I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it it it's was kind of a weird when, thing actually. Yeah. When I w was dealing with the depression related to the border incident, I've noticed that I will go through particular process when something that massive drops into my life. I didn't start getting better until I actually was able to cry. It took me a couple, it took me about a month before I could cry. And then I started to realize, okay, I'm starting to get better now because I'm starting to feel emotions again. It's so the that's, release. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's the, not just the release, it's the return of the emotions that you're experiencing. Yeah. And well, so, and, when, and a lot of men have a really rough time identifying that even more yes. so than women because. They're, it's already unnatural for them to handle <clears throat> sadness and pain by crying to begin with. And yeah. then we really have uh, difficulty recognizing that a man who is suffering from lethargy isn't just being lazy. Yeah. <laughs> or stoic. Like, because right. that's the other thing. I'm like, I, I, recently I've been, uh, I, 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 I'll have to remember the name of it, but it was um, some media that i was watching and there was a male character in it i'm like this guy isn't he's he's presented as the typical bag badass but i'm watching his character arc. i'm like he's he's depressed he's like severely depressed and you can witcher? tell uh it yeah that the witcher but also expands like the main character in expand the expanse but yes mm. definitely the witcher i'm <laughs> you're right it was that was specifically the one although i also noticed it again when i watched the expanse and I'm like this. Oh. This character is being presented as stoic, and he's he, to me he doesn't come across as stoic. He comes across as suffering from depression. Are you talking and he's about having, the young the young guy or the uh, or the, the sick, Tom Jane character? The 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 guy in expands the um the one with the, the guy hat. who's the not the one with okay it's not the one with the hat. It is the one he's he's actually I think as uh, maybe more uh, in a healthier place. It's the one who has to take chemotherapy all the time. Because he was radiated. Holden, the guy who has the oh, crazy okay. man in his head. Yeah, that guy. I'm like watching him, like this guy is severely depressed. And I don't think that people recognize the difference between someone who's stoic and someone who's depressed. And I began to think, well, maybe there is no difference. Yeah. Um, well, and well, a depression, I mean, no, I, 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 that, um, there probably is a difference in terms of taking stoicism as a philosophy to your life but i'm wondering because of that that way that depression negates your emotions and makes you less reactive yes yeah, i wonder if there is, is an association but there is an association stoicism is more an effort to overcome the the um issue of having your feelings control how you react to the thing to the world around you but yeah but i'm wondering if the conflation to feel them the problem yeah, is Yeah, I'm wondering if the conflation is not necessarily with genuine conflation. It's just yeah. when feminists look at men's behavior, they ascribe everything to stoicism and toxic masculinity or toxic traditional masculinity when what they really should be looking at is depression. And actually and I think society in general does that with men. Um where 
they don't differentiate. We don't differentiate between a man who is handling things because he is able to deal with um, deal with difficult emotions and still get things done that have to be done or still uh, maintain circumstances that have to be maintained and so on. Well, you know, like the guy who stoically goes into a foul-smelling environment and deals with disgusting things in order to keep the sewer working. That's stoicism, right? But the guy who feels like or who is in a position where his whole life is a sewer and he stops reacting mm -hmm. to it because he is becoming numb to it and mm -hmm. and his numbness isn't, I can handle this. It's, it's never going to get any better than this and I'm losing um... hope. That guy might actually look the same way to the people around him um, as the guy who is is going down and breaking up fatbergs and pulling uh, pull it pulling uh, uh, flushable wipes out of the system, uh, and, and people don't differentiate in in how a guy handles those two situations. They don't recognize necessarily that guy number two is actually in crisis and needs help. Well, I would actually say, and, and I've been thinking a lot about depression. Well, Funk, Allison, and you not just got a lot quieter. What happened? Oh, I don't know. What what well, did happen? Let me, let me just fix, fix it at my end. Yeah, she's, she's still the same fine, for me. Fine that to me. Really so. weird. I wonder what happened. Okay. Can, uh, oh, wait. Never um, mind. I fixed it. I got it fixed. All right. All right. Fair enough. Well, the other one, one other thing I wanted to mention about depression is I'm not so sure it's quite as dysfunctional as people think it is. I actually think that when you're dealing with an injury, a psychological injury, shutting down like that may actually be a functional response. A defense if you are a de yeah. it, it, Well, it, just a functional response to keep moving on if like you're not in a situation. Like immobilizing a broken bone. Yeah, mm -hmm. if you're not in a situation where you can address the underlying trauma. So, I mean... We can look at depression as some some sort of. Uh, a, I would see it more like a scar, than than an open wound. That that and the thing is that depression. I've never seen depression come into people who don't and have an initial trauma, right? Or initial issue that they're facing. So I mean, and this is something that really got in my head uh, when I was going through what I was going through. And I mean, there are certain situations where it makes sense to shut your emotions down when your emotions are not going to be respected or acknowledged by the people around you. Or when I mean, they don't what, serve you. When the, yeah, when, when they don't serve yeah, you. Yeah, when they don't help your situation. And a lot of Well, times when they don't serve you, that might yeah. be, that might be, uh, when they don't serve you, that might be stoicism. Yeah. But when you, everybody around you isn't going to give you a place to feel or to express yourself or is going to talk to you like you're a lesser person for having done so, that depression may make a sense is a response to that. Well, and in that case, in, in that case, if, if revealing your emotions is going to, you know, uh, expose you to ridicule and mockery and disdain, then the emotions aren't going to serve you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's and true. That is, that is However, a situation where we have uh, again a society-wide behavior toward men that is dysfunctional, and, and yeah, a lot of ways that is driven by our inability to acknowledge again when the reason for his situation is because of something a woman woman did to him or something that he had to give up in order to serve the interests of a woman. 
uh, and or the, the other... fact that we denigrate men's gender identity constantly yep. or mm -hmm. the fact that if he uh, shows vulnerability the woman he values the most in his life will lose respect for him or will lose compassion for him will uh, fear that he is not going to serve her needs the way that she expects him to and will leave him was a lot of guys yeah. will uh, out of everybody they will hide uh, their fears or their pain or their depression um, anything that that isn't hey I'm doing great and I'm still here for you from their wives yeah, yeah, you know, and fe feminists love to say that, oh, well, men just need to express themselves more. And then when they do express negative feelings or, hey, I feel I'm feeling badly about this thing or the other, they are the first ones to, you know, just come down on that guy and say, oh, you're less of a, oh, you're, you must be an incel. <laughs> well, you like know, the, yeah. they, they've cut his legs off and then said, you know, you need to you need to get more exercise. Get up and walk. Yeah. Jogging. I yeah. can bring this all together. I can bring it all back into... Okay. All right. Do it. All right. I'm going to. I'm going to do it. We have this real problem of allowing men's emotional landscape, so the men's experiences of sadness, of pain, of suffering, and of anger, to be a result of women's actions, a consequence of women's actions and choices. We have a real, real mental block when it comes to that. Mm. Yeah. Um, we yep. cannot look at that as a, like our, our, our general civilization does not have the capacity to look at that without getting scared of it. And as oh, a well, result, look at, look at that. It's, 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 we cannot acknowledge that the man is in a place where he is in crisis and does need and deserve support. Yeah, well, we don't at, want to allow guy, men to be weak. Look at the guy uh, on Twitter who ended up getting me banned, right? You know, he first came to my attention <clears throat> because he commented on that video that the guy posted, you know, uh, his last words to his children before he committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And and what did he say? Oh, yeah, what a fucking retard. You know, what an idiot. He, yeah, your kids are never going to see you again now, right? And that's all on, that's all on you mm -hmm. and you know it's like they they would rather look at that man who committed suicide because he'd been denied access to his kids as the villain right he must have done something to make his wife his ex-wife restrict access right he must have done something to make her do that and, uh, and then his act of despair, his act of just ending his own suffering is a selfish act. It's an act, it's a, it's a villainous act, right? It's, you know, oh yeah, no, so now you, you've made your daughters uh, suffer because you were weak. Yeah. Were they daughters? Can't look at the idea that an that act this... that a woman did um, yeah, was that, that made this a man bitch suffer was, was out of her self-interest and not a defense against something that he did to her. Yeah, or you know, like even if it was, uh, or even her dysfunction. Against, yeah, even yeah, or even if it was something, you know, maybe he had issues, right? You know, there are ways of getting around. You know, like my ex 
had all fucking, he had issues eight ways from fucking Tuesday, right? He had issues like flying out the yin-yang, right? Nothing but issues everywhere, right? I sent him his fucking kids. Yeah. When he when he when he wanted to see them and when he had had the time and the and the money to see them like to be able to actually feed them and stuff, I sent his kids to him. There he's their dad. You know, right? And I, I never had any concerns about regardless of how many issues he had, and he had many, many, many. Right? I never had any concern that they would be in danger with him. So there was no reason for me to not let him see them in situations where um if the parent is the father the state looks at his lifestyle his um mental health his uh his uh addiction if he has any uh, his drinking habits you know whether or not he's got a new partner and what kind of person that new partner is um those things end up contributing to his uh, chances at having his parental rights recognized in the formation of the, the custody schedule. And they factor in on a much deeper level than the same set of circumstances would factor in to looking at a woman's custody rights, looking at a woman's parental rights. A woman can have all of those dysfunctions and and still retain custody of her children even when the father has none of them and is more financially stable the the judge turns around and says i can't take these children away from this woman her mental health is too fragile and it might push her over the edge but the judge turns around and says i can't place these children with this man his mental health is too fragile and what if he goes over the edge it's the same situation and both parents have the same capacity to go one way or another, to go uh, more towards improving because they have that family relationship, or to go over the edge and kill their children. Both parents have the same cap capability of doing that. Women do it more often. But both parents do have the same capability of doing that. The judge only sees it in the father. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, mothers tend, in that situation, I think mothers tend to see their children as a burden, whereas fathers who have been denied access to their children, when they do actually get to see their children, they see it as a blessing. You know, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's a momentous occasion that they get to see their kids. You know, Sometimes I, I, mothers see their children as an accessory. It's, yeah. Um, this is something that it took me a long time to understand because I, I never really, so the first thing that happened to me when I, I, the first moment after I looked at the, the positive indicator on the pregnancy test that let me know my son was on the way, uh, mm -hmm. that he was gestating, right? I was pregnant, um, was like, oh my God, I am now responsible for everything that happens to a person who is completely helpless you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and that person is going to be completely helpless and dependent on me for everything, including influences that are going to contribute to the formation of the character that, that, that he ends up developing as he gets older, 
right? right? This is this is a big, huge responsibility for a person. And what's going to happen to him? What's going to what's what's going to be the result of my actions? Mm-hmm. Most women start thinking about showing baby pictures, I think, and what clothes they're going to get for the baby and how they're going to dress the baby and how they're going to show off yep. the baby and the baby like, shower. Well, yeah. One of the things that I w- was careful with when I was um when social media started to become a thing, like I didn't make pictures of my kids available to the general public. There are pictures of my kids on um on Facebook that are shared just with family that you know you use the privacy settings that are just with family and the one mm-hmm. picture of my son the the very few pictures of my son that are public um, are pictures that are much much old you know farther back in time now you know then they're not anything recent now he can post pictures of himself if he wants right um, I don't have a bunch of pictures of my my stepdaughters uh, they post pictures of themselves all the time but it's their right that's their image that's their privacy but yeah. I see uh, parents who put pictures of their children up and it's it's like they have hundreds of pictures of their small children on the internet in and it's not just look my kid won an award it's look at the way my kid picks his nose you know or yeah. uh, you know oh look so and so got a boo-boo and the kids kids um you know, crying to mommy or something like that, where it's, yeah, it's adorable to the parent that you, you see this moment with your child, but that's your child's privacy. And yeah. people, and, and like, on top women of that, don't, it, I don't see a lot of men doing this, but women don't respect their children's privacy. No, not at all. Not at all. You know, and, and just to add on to what you were saying, but like, I think a lot of it is, oh, my kid can count to 10. Well, Congratulations, your child is normal. You know, <laughs> well, if your child is six months old and can count to ten, woohoo for you! But That's, again, yeah, everybody exactly. else doesn't have the right to know that. Right, right. You know, if you're, you, know, you need adult, to draw a distinction though between sharing your kids' pictures like on Facebook with your friends and family. Right, your versus... friends and family want to know what's going on with each other, and that's a that's one thing. But to have it out there, like I've seen, you know, the woke kid pictures and everything. They got these these pictures. That oh have God, those are awful. <laughs> and and then you have the kid that has a hundred thousand views of a picture where the dog, you know, has has uh, pulled pulled their pants halfway down. And you can see one butt cheek, right? Um, they look like the copper tone baby. And everybody's oh, mm. that's so cute. You know, there's yeah. one of the funniest viral videos on YouTube is the little girl who suddenly figures out she can get away with asking her dad if he wants to kiss her butt. You know, <laughs> she fell and hurt her butt and, and 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 the whole kiss it make it better thing. Do you want to kiss my butt? And it's it's cute. It's adorable, but at the same time that girl is on the internet forever. Yeah, she's it's 50. She will have been a viral video on the internet asking her dad if he wants to kiss her butt. Mm. Yeah. I did want to clarify one thing. I think that you should make a distinction between all uh, mothers do this. Uh, well, of course they do. Like, yeah, mothers and, in but, general do this. But uh, I think what's more important is that they're allowed to without being called out. Right. Yes. Fathers in general don't do this and they're not allowed to without being called out. Um, and and it's, it's not that men never post pictures of their kids. And men are proud of their children. Women are proud of their mm-hmm. children. But But a lot of times it's women are proud of their children as an extension of themselves 
Yeah. And men are proud of their children as an example of their ability to nurture and teach and how independent and strong their children are becoming because of it. Yeah. And it and it's very uh, a very important distinction because then when you grow up and your father, you know, sort of six you on the world, go get him tiger, um he's not saying go be me everywhere. You know, when when dads do that, we make movies about how dysfunctional it is. Uh when mom I think that's that, the it's Tuesday. You know, it, that's the big distinction. When dads try, you know, turn their children into a Pygmalion project, they're they're called out, and rightfully so. But when moms do it, like you said, it's just overlooked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And really, uh, parents are as bad or as good as the standards that they're held to, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, and it's, so it's, that's one of the areas, and this is a very damaging thing with women. Uh, it's one of the areas that, that is um, society's mommy issues on this are really, really bad. We have sort of the hover parent kind of, like the helicopter parent kind of behavior with women where their kids are not allowed to be their own people. And yeah. uh, and you can see a, a, a whole host, a whole set of dysfunctional behaviors that comes out of this. The rebellion against the helicopter mom. Mom wants me to be a good, I, mom wants me to be a doctor. Mom wants me to be a doctor. So I am going to become uh, a, a prostitute, right? <laughs> and, and I'm going to make myself vulnerable to all of the bad things that can happen to a prostitute. I'm going to run away from home and do it, right? And, and, and uh, you know, whatever suffering I have in my life, so what? I didn't have to do what mom said. Like, that comes out of that whole, you are an extension of me, you have to be what I say you're going to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, when when a father does it, and then, you know, like I said, when a dad does it, we make movies about how bad it is. When a mom does it, and the kid rebels, and then the kid comes back and says, I went out and, and, and was a prostitute, and I got hurt really bad because I wasn't prepared for that, and I, uh, I did a bunch of things that led me to being... Um, vulnerable to abuse and I ended up on drugs and blah 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 whatever mommy knew best didn't she yeah you know and it, it there's no accountability for mommy pushed you so hard that you hurt yourself to get away from her and uh, so that's one of those there is that um, that end of it and then there's the other end of it um, we have entire systems in our in our uh, government set up to displace women's responsibility for the consequences of their own choices to the nearest man and to the taxpayer. That's what the welfare system is. That is at bottom line. I don't care about the the Great Depression and what what came out of that. And all that. that is all completely irrelevant. It's not how the system's being used today. Um, it's not a leg up for people who are just down on their luck. The vast majority of welfare recipients are, are families headed up by or, or uh, in which a woman is considered uh, one, of the, one of the two breadwinners, a co-breadwinner, where because of her choices, her reproductive choices specifically, 
the family is in financial crisis and they need financial help. That is the vast majority of welfare in the United States. It's probably the vast majority of welfare every place that has a system like that. And oh, okay. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's the definition of men deserts. It's the, the council houses uh, that are like subsidized housing or Section 8 housing, huge neighborhoods where there are no men over the age of maybe 21, 22. Right. It's just single women and their children. And it's cyclical. It breeds the next generation of this is the norm for women. You're not responsible if you make unwise reproductive choices, if you choose to get pregnant out of wedlock. And in a modern society where we have hormonal birth control, barrier birth control, spermicide, and uh, uh, the ability to combine multiple forms, surgical birth control that, that uh, prevents the... Uh, prevents the ova from from finding their way into the uterus um we have all of these different things that that women can use and we have different incarnations of them so if you don't like one kind of barrier birth control you can use another kind if you don't like one kind of hormonal birth birth control you can use another kind and if you are really paranoid about getting pregnant you can use a hormonal birth control a barrier birth control and spermicide just to be mm -hmm. on the safe side and each one of those is is 99% or more effective when used properly. We have all yep. of those things. There is no uh, validity to the claim that uh, a woman got stuck in an un unplanned pregnancy in modern society through no yeah. fault of her own. Right? She, oh, you, you can, know, you, can yeah. you can you argue know, that you, you can, can argue, argue that she. She, I uh, had an unplanned pregnancy. Yeah, um, but you nope. can, and you can argue that women maybe didn't didn't think about all of their choices. You can argue that maybe they didn't have all of the information emphasized to them. Uh, you can even no, argue no. that some women have super fertility, because I've had a couple of women argue this to me that they have super fertility and they used multiple forms of birth control and they still got pregnant. But yeah, no that, woman that... gets pregnant without having sex. Yeah, right. and also there's no such thing as accidental motherhood. Right. Right. And, you know, and I will say this, though. Regarding the abortion discussion, it doesn't matter whether abortion is a right or, or not. It doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. You never have to get to that point unless, you know, you're, you're forced into it. Once in a blue moon, and it's like the rarest of the rare things is, a, is actually a rape pregnancy. Um, yeah. One half of 1% of all abortions are done because of rape and incest combined. Um, and incest is a, well, it's just a rat's nest of, of it's not, um, it's more likely to be incest than forcible rape because the trauma from incest is not always as immediate and uh, not always as recognizable. Uh, like to the individual and it's so it does not always the the height of emotion that like that myth about the woman's body shutting down there is some truth to it stress can prevent you from becoming pregnant when you're trying to become pregnant so the mm -hmm. idea that it it couldn't prevent you from becoming pregnant when you're not trying to become pregnant is kind of silly right but those that's an incredibly rare circumstance the vast majority of Unplanned pregnancies are pregnancies that happen because a woman did not meticulously do everything she could have done to prevent it. 
And and, and it's I I just I'm not buying anyone's story of um I just didn't I I I I just am so fertile that birth control didn't work because again once you know once you know that you have the capacity to use two different forms of birth control or more or to Can just I take this in a completely sex. different direction? Can we talk about the recent pope slap? Yeah. Pope slap. That's a Let's that's do a pope slap. Well, before we get on that, I just want to point out that that situation is a consequence of a woman's choice. The the um, pregnancy, the consequence of a woman's choice. We have entire systems, the the abortion industry, the safe haven abandonment system, to again displace accountability for the consequences of that woman's choice to the taxpayer, to the nearest man, and even to the baby. So there you go, Pope. Pope slap. Pope slap. Let's do the Pope slap. Do you have uh, Do you have the video? Can you put the video I don't up? Have I the put video. the video. Um, let me. I get put the, the video in the live show. Let me I get put the, the video, video in the live show. Uh, in our in our stream. Let me let me grab that. Um, yeah. I will. Uh, so, I will just for everybody to, who's uh, who's uh, watching along. The side. Oh, the that's podcast. on Twitter. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm not going to be able to play it for every for you guys. No, it's fine. I think we've all them. watched it. Maybe Karen so, hasn't. I don't know. But I'll, I will describe it. Oh, I'll, I'll describe it. So essentially what happens is the Pope is is shaking hands with the faithful. And one particular woman grabs him <laughs> like an orangutan. Yeah, she, and, and, <laughs> he's like walking away. And she grabs his hand and yanks him back. Yep. Yeah, and you can actually see him starting to stumble. Because he's an older guy. And he doesn't necessarily have the balance of a young man, and so this is a situation that it, you he if she had pulled any harder, he might have a broken hip. Let me see from if falling. I can actually, get this up on the screen here. But as a result of this, and she wouldn't let go, and presumably it was very uncomfortable because he was saying "ouch" or "ow," and uh, he ended up slapping her hand to get her to let go. Uh, because pulling her his hand back didn't work. Yeah, no, exactly. And you know, I know we we've then the seen next day, the next day he apologized. Yeah, well, that's because he uh, stood up at the UN um, uh, in defense of like women's um, you know violence against women or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, but you also so saw the video. You also saw the video of, you know, people coming up to kiss his hand and he was pulling himself away from every person who tried to kiss his hand. And now, you know, I, I, I agree with that. I wouldn't want, you know, multiple people's bodily fluids on my hands. Well, the thing is, if a man had done what she did, if a man had reached out and grabbed the Pope and pulled on him mm -hmm. like that, you think about um, the Pope's position now like i'm not catholic i don't i don't really go in for denomination and all that um not not a big church person uh yeah. but uh as far as who the pope is he is a not just a celebrity but a religious celebrity he's a controversial yeah. figure he is a world famous figure on the level of any leader of any country he is the mm -hmm. leader of a worldwide church that has massive amounts of influence all over the world. So it's 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 and kind of equal. 
to being he a prime minister. Drives, he drives in a Pope mobile that is surrounded by <laughs> no. He doesn't drive glass. This, he, he, uh, this one rides. doesn't. He rides. He doesn't drive. He rides. But yeah, no, but what? this one Francis doesn't actually drive in the Pope mobile. He well, he, in any oh, case, the Pope mobile. He's a free created, range Pope, right? The he's Pope a free range Pope. created for a reason. <laughs> the Pope's life is is as much under uh, potential threat from from a, a a discontented person a person discontented with his leadership in the church as yep. any other world leader he could be easily and rightfully considered a world leader even if like me you're not catholic you're not a churchy person you're not... so here is a layman an individual citizen complete stranger not somebody who was cleared in any way shape or form uh, to engage in that kind of behavior toward the Pope by anyone. Him. Grabbing him and yanking yes. on him. Yes. And yeah. how did, if this had been like a president, president of the United States, somebody is walking through a crowd of people approved to be up close to the president of the United States and somebody unexpectedly grabs him and tries to pull him over the barrier, what do you think Secret Service is going to do? Oh, I can and, tell you what happened when that happened to Jean Chrétien. Yeah. Right? Uh, Prime Minister Jean Chrétien, uh, who I did not like, but I was perfectly okay with what he did in this situation. He was walking through the crowd. Uh, his his uh, security detail got a little bit behind him, and he was accosted by a protester who got all up in his face, and he just grabbed the guy by the throat. Yep. And that's, yeah. you know, when it's a guy... That's like expected. All right. Yeah, this 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 guy might be a threat. You defend yourself. Oh, well, he got in trouble for it. People thought he went over the top, but oh, for Pete's this sake. is also this is also the prime minister who somebody broke into the prime minister's residence when he and his wife were asleep and he went outside the bedroom door, told her to call the police and stood there and dealt with an intruder who had a gun, an oh, armed Leo. intruder who had a wow. gun. So he yeah. is really yeah. ready to deal with that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But, he, he, but yeah, it, you grab, you grab yeah. if you're a guy, you grab, uh, you know, like President Trump, even uh, the unpopular President Trump. He's not really unpopular, but he's unpopular <laughs> with some people, right? Um, you grab uh, Justin Trudeau. You grab any leader of any country like that you are going to expect a defense and you're going to be lucky if you don't get arrested for it. Yeah. But if you're a woman, I wouldn't be surprised. And if you're a woman, I wouldn't you, be can, you can get away with it. And in fact, if you're a woman, you there is uh, a backlash against defense against you. And this happened when Trump was uh, running for office. Um, oh gosh, Corey Lewandowski, Corey Lewandowski. got yeah. essentially got railroaded out of his campaign for stopping a woman from chasing him down and grabbing him. A presidential candidate that had Secret Service, she was really lucky she didn't get shot by Secret Service. Yeah, oh, for, but for she got running up behind. She, she shoved them out of the way to get to him, and, and she complained about a bruise. Yeah, she got bruised. Now, this, this lady who had her hand slapped by the Pope, she didn't even get bruised. She got, you know what she got? She got embarrassed. You know what? If he had broken I actually her just... knuckles with that slap, I wouldn't say anything differently about it. She no. grabbed him. Don't grab yeah. people. Don't grab well, world leaders. That's really a dumb idea. 
don't grab old men in such a way that they start to totter over and you're like, holy shit, let's, let's hope he doesn't go over and break something and then subsequently die. You know, because that's a very serious injury when you're old. Yeah, but yeah, I actually down. looked at this very closely and it wasn't the slap that got her to release. It was his security detail. If you look at it really closely, he's she's she still didn't even let go when he defended himself. Yeah. She, he yep. still she didn't even let go when he defended himself. It was when his, her the security detail grabbed her arm and pulled it away. If you yeah. look very closely at it, so obviously this is um. I mean, who knows? Maybe he did this to prevent her from uh, the security from getting right. even more up in her ass over this. So we because... look at stuff like this. All right, now how? This is this is a really tough question. It's a question I asked at the end of my uh, my uh, um, monologue, my opening monologue. We're in a situation where we are discussing issues experienced by men, largely as a result of this lack of agency among women. Where if a woman lies to the police, he doesn't have any recourse. The the accused doesn't have any recourse, and the system doesn't hold her accountable the way that they would have hold, held her accountable if say she lied when she was filing her taxes right uh, if she's lying about this guy um, or if a, a man lied about her and falsely accused her uh, so here we are in this situation uh, we can't we can't hold the woman accountable who rapes a young young boy uh, for the results, the sequelae he experiences as he gets older, where he becomes a drug addict and, uh, you know, ends up committing crimes as a result of that, or where he commits suicide uh, and his family loses him forever and, and he loses his life, um, or, or where he goes on to, like, like, I went on to become a doormat for a period of time and he's victimized over and over again, or he goes on to become a perpetrator because that's what he learned. He learned to treat uh, sex as a transactional thing. All of those things can be a result of that woman's choice. Uh, and even even if he uh, doesn't realize that they are a result of that choice. And we can't talk about that without being called misogynist, without uh, being accused of deflecting from men's behavior to women's behavior. Uh, and uh, without being accused of, uh, of of just being down on women all the time, trying to oppose feminism and trying to oppose women's rights and so on, you know, where where do we go from here with that? In terms of we want to we want to enact reform, we want to see uh, equal treatment under the law, and we want to see equal treatment in society. How do we get there in a world where we can't look at women's agency? I, I just wanted to say before before I answer that question, which I don't know if I have an answer, but in the case where uh, a female sexual abuser abuses or targets a, you know, a vulnerable young man and he goes on to engage in criminal behavior as a result of the abuse, I would say that the, 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 the point of recognizing the, that that, is a, that, is a, that flows from her choice to abuse him is to help him overcome the negative effects of that choice. Um, so... You know, I, I don't want to say that. I don't want to start getting into the idea that that people uh, are responsible for other people's crimes. Um, of course, they're responsible for their own, and in that in that case, she should be punished for that particular crime, or at least receive some kind of recognition and right ne negative recognition, not positive. Well, and, and we can uh, recognize therapy. that obviously, if this is a result of this crime, this crime is damaging, and we can't just ignore it. 
Yes, exactly. We need to we need to recognize that it's damaging, that these these are the consequences of women's actions, and that we need to start dealing with them, or we will live with the with the fallout, which then we blame on toxic masculinity, which is uh, it's just astounding to me. These the, in many cases, these boys and young men are acting out the behaviors, and it's a it's a it's a tiny percentage, like ten percent, I believe that will go on to abuse women or other people or other people period and uh, usually well the, the the longitudinal study i base this on is same age peers so but um the 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 fact that we can't recognize that as a consequence of women's actions and sexual choices aggressive uh, abusive sexual choices means that we live with the consequences and then we turn around and we blame them on men which is just it, it astounds me because that ensures that we will continue to live with the consequences of the effect of these act, this, this abuse on boys. We won't be, we, we, what feminists do right now by blaming toxic masculinity and rape culture, how they define rape culture, will lead to a situation where women continue to be raped. Yeah, no, and that's so what astounds it, me. It perpetuates. It, it perpetuates, perpetuates the like, problem. Well, and, uh, like the question is, how do you facilitate the recovery of a person you cannot acknowledge was harmed? Exactly. And how can you facilitate the recovery of women when you when you hide the the consequences of their actions and or you just pretend rehabilitation of women. rehabilitation? Yes, the rehabilitation of women. How can you do that? Nobody rapes because they're happy. So, you know, they they do that because there's a dysfunction. Yeah. Um a severe dysfunction. And uh if you can't recognize that, you can never rehabilitate and they're living with themselves 24/7. So, I I can only imagine how horrific that is. Uh but in terms of being able to recognize women's agency, I think that the only way the problem is that it's so unfamiliar to us. The reason why feminism grew so large and powerful is because it's familiar to people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's comfortable. It has a comfortable familiarity to it. Uh, seeing women as uh, the previous eras, they called it women were the weaker sex. It's just an iteration of that. Yeah. Except with a few like aesthetic tweaks to make it more fashionable. Well, um, and, and with, with the, the offloading of, of, you know, it it really does externalize that, right? Because seeing women as, as the weaker sex, well, women are the weaker sex, right? Emotionally, uh, physically, they they emotionally they're more prone to negative emotion on average, and physically they're they're more vulnerable, right? Definitely the weaker sex because of what they are, right? But now with feminism and and its narrative. Right, it's externalized that it's not that women are weaker; it's that they're perceived as weaker. So exactly. none of it is actually them and how women are. Right, it's all just how women are viewed. Right, women are viewed by everyone in society. So it's everybody's fault but the woman. Right, so you can't ask her to toughen up. You can't ask her to grow some calluses. You can't ask her to rub a little dirt in it. You can't ask her to fucking man up. Right. And if you want to have a job in a male dominated industry, maybe suck it up and learn how to take a joke once in a while. Right. <laughs> learn how to freaking rib the guy's back when they're ribbing you. All that shit. 
Can't ask them to do that because it's they're miserable in that position, not because they're weaker, not because of anything about them. It's everybody else's fault around them. Right. Right. So we're literally essentially saying, you know, women are just as strong and just as capable as men, except for the fact that, you know, men exist and, and they're men hate women and put them yeah. down. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and how many times have we seen viral videos of women assaulting men with weapons? Like there was one just recently. Um, it was it happened in a school, and uh, this this kid just I I think he just expressed like uh, support for Trump. Yeah, was and, it the, the guy the kid on the bus? No, oh. no, no, not not that guy. I mean that guy. Holy shit, he got. He oh, got man, his that, ass that handed girl, to him. That girl was going full chimp. I have not like. Oh yeah. You ever watch chimpanzees fucking beat on each other? Right? Yes. They, they get they get on top and they just just start flailing their fists and pounding. Right. Yeah. She's fucking doing that with that kid. And and yeah. I'm like, holy fuck. Like yeah, but but there was there was another one where the, this black girl just got up and this this little white kid she he was she was obviously very bigger than he okay so she if if it had come to like a fisticuffs she could have taken him down but what she did was pick up a shovel i think it was and beat this kid over the head all because she he the kid had a different opinion to him to her you know, he he was a Trump supporter, and this girl, this woman, just picked up a fuck. I guess whatever she could find that was next to her, and beat the living hell out of this kid. Well, so, you know, I'm sorry, don't don't tell me that it is always the case that men are physically bigger than women, so they and stronger, so they must be able to you know defend themselves. Well, well women know, women use what, women what use tools as yeah, equalizers. Size, size doesn't always Whatever make uh, happened, doesn't always it means right nothing. Either. I exactly. I got a, I got a, a okay, friend let, who has gone through a much longer ordeal than the seven years in hell story, who I haven't been able to write about because I don't have his ordeal as documented. But one of the things that his ex wife did that when I heard about it, I just like that really was freaky. I met this woman, okay? I stood next to her. Um, I held her baby, right? She came up to my shoulder. She weighed 98 pounds soaking wet with rocks in her pockets. Little bitty skinny ass gal, right? But when she got mad at him and his next wife after uh, she had left him and, and was torturing him through the legal system, she stormed onto his property one day after he had had a minor success in their legal battle and and in the course of the argument that she started she picked up a push lawn mower like those ones that the mm. motor is on top of the blades picked it mm -hmm. up by the handle and threw it at his wife and was <laughs> con he was considered the aggressor because he moved to block the lawn mower from hitting his wow. wife and that was wow. threatening to her. She was oh, trespassing yeah, on his property. She threw an object, a dangerous object to him. This big, strong, you know, 98 pounds soaking wet, five foot six, little skinny Ramona Quimby of a girl. Um, 
did Managed all of this. to throw a push one more. Yep, that is a <laughs> level of temper tantrum beyond anything that she you know, hulked you should, out. She hulked out because he didn't lose all of his visitation. He only lost okay. part of his visitation, and that I had to. That was she didn't have any agency for any of that. I had to explain to a woman on Twitter that when you attack someone's head, that should be considered lethal force. Mm -hmm. And oh the God, reason yes. why is, be is because people have, in men included, we have, as human beings, we have some significant um, weak spots in our head. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I have a, a, a news report. There was like a, a, a sort of an average sized woman who clocked a guy in the jaw and dropped him dead. Um, now it was one of those stupid party games where it's like you know punch me in the face. I don't know why people do that, but yeah, a lot of people she, don't realize that oh, the yeah, ball, they don't that realize that how one blood vessel right. it can snap. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so he dropped dead from one punch from an average sized woman. If women are throwing hands towards a man's head, that should be considered lethal force, and I believe that he should have the right to clock them. Head yeah. and neck, actually. Um, I have a friend who is has a conviction for assault on his record for the crime of stopping a woman's second attempt at stabbing him in the throat. <laughs> like, it's, she it's tried, he stopped her, she tried again, and he gave her a light punch in the jaw. Very light punch. Not Didn't bruise her, didn't leave any damage, just shocked the shit out of her that he hit her back. And that stopped mm. her. And he was convicted of assault. She wasn't. It's unbelievable, and even 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 if a woman is throwing slaps, that should be considered lethal force because yeah. if you miss aim it, or if it becomes an open hand strike, and you put enough force behind it, you can still do serious damage. Well, and just the people... jerking back motion. One of the things people don't realize, because that that's a whiplash injury, right? Shaken baby syndrome is a whiplash mm -hmm. injury, mm -hmm. and if you do it hard enough to an adult or under the wrong circumstances, you can create the same injury. There are people who are experiencing the same symptoms that a shaken baby experiences after having had a whiplash injury from a car accident as an adult. It just well, look has at Andy. to, you know. Look at Andy No, right? You know, that footage, when you look at the, the, the punches, right? They didn't look, the punches did not look that severe got a brain bleed he's got yeah. permanent brain damage he's mm -hmm. going to be in rehabilitation he's going to be in in therapy for a long time he don't fuck with people's heads he yeah. doesn't talk yeah. the way he used to um yeah it, like and you know when when you're a kid right it's it, you don't necessarily realize when you're a kid when you're like five six seven eight years old you don't necessarily realize just how fucking precious your brain case is Right, um, but uh, yeah, like it, it used to. It used to like I when I remember being like twelve and watching Matlock and going, you know, what people can die from just getting hit on the head. Yep, I thought they just yeah. got knocked out and then woke up. Oh Jesus, that's like the your body's worst more fragile than you know. There's been instances where um, baseball players have gotten hit in the chest with a pitch that was really hard and fast, or with with a, uh, a a line driver ball, it's been hit um, hard and fast with a bat, and uh, the the speed and the angle stops their heart. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They don't get an opportunity. There's no opportunity to save that person sometimes because yeah. the Dolph Lundgren of... get get punched in the solar plexus during filming of Rocky Four and end up in the hospital. I don't remember if that was the incident incident I read about, but I know that that, that happened to an actor. Um, but there's like things like that can happen, and it's completely unexpected. So, like, when yeah. you're careless with the, the violence that you engage in against something, like, most men are aware of this simply because they have to deal with defensive violence growing up from other boys when they're, when they're little boys. Um, and, and they did deal with defensive violence from both sexes plus consequences, social and, uh, you know, uh, uh, policy or legal consequences if they engage in violence against a girl. Girls don't necessarily have that unless they grow up in certain neighborhoods where it's common for girls to actually get into fistfights as opposed to engaging primarily in relational aggression. And yeah. uh, so they have this it, perception that they're a lot weaker than they are. Right. And then yeah. they also are accustomed to not getting hit by boys. But if you grow up in a neighborhood where some of the boys don't care or where you can, you're allowed to play football with the boys and they treat you like a boy when you play football with them, you learn a whole different way of dealing with each other. And it becomes yeah, an alien yeah. thing to watch other girls act like their violence doesn't matter. But I want to get yeah, into the super and, and I, really, really uh, quick because I, we have a shitload of them. Uh, so I'll make this quick, Lauren. <laughs> I was just going to say it, she and will. I wonder I wonder how um, watching cartoons has changed our, our you know, perception of what violence is towards one another. Because, you know, I grew up watching cartoons, and, you know, it's all just hit one, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Sylvester falls off the cliff, you know, and it's just, uh, <laughs> you know, but he lives again to the other, to see another day. Well, it gives you the know? kid the, uh, the ability to form a uh, recognition of cartoon uh, versus reality and, and fiction yeah. versus reality. And they've taken that out of cartoons now. Cartoons yeah. today, if you watch cartoons today, they're like they came out of... Uh, uh, Fahrenheit 451, they're mm. so bland and so dumbed down and so nonsensical, it's scary. It's creepy yeah. to watch cartoons today. I actually really hate a lot of today's cartoons because they don't trigger the imagination. They don't give kids something to look at and say, well, that's ridiculous. You don't have Mighty Mouse throwing the cats 60 miles away. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have... Um, Daffy Duck getting his bill slapped to the other side of his face and then turning it around. There's yeah. No, there's no, um, oh God. When I used to play a game called Tales for the Tales of the Floating Vagabond, there, you, you had, uh, your, your skills included a thing called your stick. Your stick was a ridiculous rule that your character could apply that gave you a benefit. My mm -hmm. favorite one was the Escher effect. If you believed it could happen, it could happen. So you could mm. blind, blindfold somebody and tell them there was a set of stairs in front of them and they could go up the stairs as long as you didn't take off the blindfold because if you did, they would fall, right? Um, that, that kind of thing, being able to visualize that kind of thing and then also recognize, well, that's not real uh, mm -hmm. and reality is different. That's an important thing for a child to develop. And it's, yeah. it's really a crime, in my opinion, that... Uh, that that's being taken away from children in cartoons and children's programming that they all all they have now is reality it's just very bland all they and, have is backyardigans yeah. it's and yeah, really know, sad. super chats super so, chats to Come on, but, yeah. 
Backyard against is one of the top ten things wrong God. with kids these days. That is okay, a consequence. That is a consequence of female nannyism. You have to. Uh, you take all of the. You put your children in a padded room. They don't just get a padded room. They get a padded life, and then they don't don't develop the ability to deal with anything and understand people uh, and understand differences between what they think and what is real and stuff like that. Um, right. Well, even even chat. even. even I'm All right. Sorry. Super chat. Super chat. Our first no, super chat. We got it. We got a. Go ahead. Albert, Go ahead. Not a gay, uh, Albert, not a retro. Donated. Hey, Albert. Uh, Twenty dollars Canadian, <laughs> and and said I'd come home from work, push my wife against the fridge, and and this is in quotes. Uh, and uh, oh no, they're all in quotes. Never mind. And give it to her hard. <laughs> then I saw the Gillette ad and stopped. Now another guy is pushing my wife against the fridge and giving it to her hard. Gillette saved my soul. <laughs> I, I don't know that that needs any response. That's perfect by itself, man. Um, Meredith Glassberg donated $5 and said, Isn't the problem of women's lack of accountability exacerbated? Yeah, exacerbated by the, quote, self-confidence movement that erases all bad feelings for anything we do. And I would yes, say absolutely. Yes. The narcissism epidemic. Yes. The inability to deal with uh, feeling guilty about making a mistake um, or, or feeling foolish for having made a mistake. Like, do you know how foolish I felt when I reached for the phone line and it, and it, it shocked me? Like, I, and I was eight, right? Eight years old smart enough to be like, God, that was stupid. Why did I do that? You know, as I'm sitting at the bottom of the tree, unable to move because I was paralyzed temporarily. Um, I, like, we're not allowed to let women feel that way now because it's a bad feeling and yeah. they can never learn not to, not to do that again. You won't do that again, will you? It's not allowed where women are concerned. Yeah. Yep. So we have Sean Cousins donated $10 and said, Badgers, uh, they're for sure... There is for sure a war on boys. At the same time, I feel like there is a war on girls. If a girl wants to be a princess, mom, caregiver, or supporting wife, why do feminists hate them? Um, uh, that's the, because uh, they... <laughs> not all feminists are like that. Therefore, no feminists can be like that. Competition over resources, girls, basically. Those mm -hmm. girls are just making patriarchy work for them. Yep, and that's every girl out there to every feminist out there. Everybody that doesn't do things their way is wrong, and it all yep. is because of patriarchy. And well, that's a even... way of negating women's agency. Like, I've noticed this. It's actually a little bit disturbing to me. A woman can only get her agency recognized in the feminist construct by uh, acceptable feminist actions, which yeah. are really a responsibility mm -hmm. of feminism. Otherwise, they just try to tear away your voice. Yeah. And give you no recognition that you exist as a separate entity from men entirely. Have you noticed that? They oh. they just they just try to cut your tongue out, um, and then they tell you that you know I'm advocating for you. Well, do you think you could not attempt to to negate my personhood in that process by saying that I haven't made these choices? You know, and they'll do that, and it's actually a little bit disturbing. It's a little bit abusive for feminism to essentially hold women's perception of women's agency hostage to to being and acting in a way approved by feminism yeah uh because that's yeah. holding their their ability to speak a hostage it's holding their ability to recognize themselves as fully human and fully agentive hostage it's like it's it's really abusive and funnily strangely enough i've experienced so much more abuse from feminists 
than I have ever from men as a group. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. odd how that works? Even from <laughs> feminists than from non-feminist women. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. yep, that's true. That's true. Feminist women, for the most part. Non-feminist women, in my in my view, non like every non-feminist woman I've met is just like mostly just like a solid common sense kind of yeah you know person. I divide non-feminist women into two groups: women who are consciously non-feminist as a rejection of feminism, and women who just never adopted the the feminist victim narrative. Um, and you do have more gynocentrism among the latter group, and they can be a little bit more. Um, sure, but they still right, don't embrace still the, not, the idea like, of femalehood yeah. equals victimhood. But the very yeah, down to earth right? ones are the ones that are like, feminism? No, fuck that shit. It's bad. Um, oh, but yeah, no, not my necessarily anything else either. My, yeah, grandmother, my grandmother, career woman, you know, worked her way, climbed the greasy pole, freaking ended up managing. Uh, an entire floor of a department store, major department store, uh, by the time she was, with a grade eight education, right? Before, you know, way, born before women had the vote, you know, and, and did all of this, you know, became postmistress of her town before women had the right to work or get an education, according to the feminist narrative. And she would just like, feminists would come on TV and she'd go like, what, what that, like, why don't those women find something useful to do? Like there's, mm -hmm. there's work. There's, There's work, work to, to be, be done. done. Yep, that's that's what my grandmother was. Um, yeah, we have. Let's see. I'm. I hope I don't butcher this. Uh, Sven, uh, Svaverson. I hope. I'm maybe I'm pronounced Svenerson. It's S V A V A R S O S S O N. Uh, donated. I don't know what currency this is. It's ISK, ISK 1000. Uh, Icelandic. So Icelandic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and said, woohoo, my first super chat. They are finally available in my region. Keep on badgering. <laughs> so congratulations on getting the super chat availability. Uh, and thanks very much. Um, let's see. And I had missed that one for some reason. Um, one of them shows checkmarked and the other ones don't. And I started with that one, but it was actually, the one below it was the first one from our show. Um, so let's see, we have... I, I just want to let you know that Icelandic Krona... Yes. ...are, uh, like, I bought a glass of wine at the Iceland airport and it cost me 12000 Really? Icelandic Krona. Oh, so God, like, it was expensive. Like, uh, pesos. Um, no, no, wait, 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 Icelandic Kronar. Never mind. It was Norway that was expensive as hell. Norway's food is, is ridiculously expensive. Like, ridiculously expensive. It's not that bad. No, well, it was. Okay, regardless. I didn't have to pay for any of my meals, so never mind. You, yeah, you may you not go. have paid for... <laughs> see? It's it's easy to not see the, the expense of your meals when you're you're being treated. Um, well, one of, one of the meals that I had was actually at the... Uh, the organizer's home cooked by his wife oh they had sweet. She, she bought a, a huge freaking cod fresh cod and uh and steamed it and and made a, a cream reduction sauce to go with it it was like really really nice but you didn't have haggis okay <laughs> checkmate oh. bitch there you I go. Have haggis. I, why would I, I have always haggis? wanted to try that? <laughs> one one meal at TJ Fridays in Norway cost one hundred and fifty dollars. Holy <gasps> crap! That is expensive. Oh. 
Uh, let's go on. We have uh, X-Men donated $2 and said, Irrelevant started a new blog called Humanity. Um, well, it's not irrelevant. That's important because uh, it's yeah. a new blog for, for discussing men's issues. If you look up X-Men on Twitter, um, and I'm, he, does I'm trying to, he does a lot of great posts and his, his you'll yeah. be able to find his blog there, there as well. Uh, he, he went, he gave another $5 and said, uh, S asterisk assault has long been considered a male and female thing. When I came across what, uh, Lot's daughters did to him. It wasn't addressed. Potter, Potiphar's wife, on the other hand, um, I think I've got that right. O T O H. Actually, uh, yeah, that's another. If you look, actually, even in the Bible, it's it's discussed without acknowledging it on a level that it's acknowledged when men do it. Um, the the consequences and the impact you can see them, but only if you make the effort to see them. The stories are there. But a description yeah. of it as a, a, a reprehensible act that had profound consequences for the individual who was the victim and the people around him, not so much. Um, well, Potiphar's wife is is a horrific story, right? Because, you know, she, she not only tries to seduce this slave uh, Joseph, right? right? You know, which, you know, so she's sexually assaulting him. Um, very, very clearly in the in the text, she's you know grabbing his body, she's seizing him, right, and uh, and trying to seduce him, I guess, right, and uh, but then when he escapes, by she's got hold of his garment and he he worms wiggles his way out of his garment and escapes the her bedroom, right, and then she uses his garment as evidence that he was in her bedroom when he shouldn't have been, and therefore he 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 tried to rape her. Well, and and honestly, the the long-reaching impact of that, because this was a man with prestige at that time, and he was brought down to like, even though he was a slave, he was still in charge of things, uh, and he was he was imprisoned. And yeah, he was imprisoned, and it was because it was because of the biblical laws right, right. around assault, which are like there's three scenarios that they lay out in. I forget Ephesians or well the scenarios are like none of that's the important thing are, is what happened to are, him as a result she, of this right if the she's important raped, thing yes but the important woman, thing then we got to keep this short so I don't want to go over the biblical laws the important thing is what happened to him as a result of this she exploited those laws and and those laws were in her favor because she was female she exploited those laws in such a way as to bring down a man who had power and prestige. Even as a slave, he had some power and prestige. And he was put in jail. And that imprisonment, at that time, really wrecked his life. He just sort of rotted in jail, right? Uh, it also took his services away from somebody who valued them. So it had repercussions for him that were terrible. And it had repercussions for the person who needed him. Yeah, but the the, the entire biblical thing, you know, the, the verse that feminists claim, you know, oh, well, it, it, the Bible says that women should be forced to marry their rapists, and it's like, no. Yeah, no, actually, we've, uh... actually, the gist of the fucking Bible, because that, that clause isn't referring to rape, it's referring to kids fooling around in the fucking hayloft and shotgun weddings. Right, right. women can like, use allegations of but, improper, uh, improper if involvement a is as not, a way if to are, force if, a man to marry them. Yes, that's, that's the reality no of the biblical law. If there are no men around 
to hear a woman should she cry out for help. This is why Potiphar's wife got away with it, right? There were no men of the household at home that night. And so there were no men to hear her cry out for help if she had cried out. So the default, if there were no men around to hear her possible cries for help, is to believe the woman when she says she's raped. Right. That, that would have been under Egyptian law, not Jewish law, though. Um, that's like, just look at whose wife she was. Uh, but going on. Uh, just but hashtag believe women. Right, is what right. The but hashtag says. believe women. Um, let's see. We were at, that was Shadow Wolf. Oh, no, that was, uh, that was. Uh, Zero. I think you're at ice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shadow Wolf gave us $10 and said, Hello, Badgers. Wanted to help out. Here's some of my Christmas money. Thanks again for all the advice and support. And thank you very much, Shadow Wolf. Um, I still love that name. Oh. <laughs> and Panic by Numbers uh, gave us $8 and said, When I hear the voices of reason in my head, it sounds like the Badgers. The bigger worry now is I hear Hannah, Karen, Allison, and Prim in my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but uh, yeah, now feminists are going to accuse you of hearing voices in your head. Uh, Polaris589 gave us $5 and said, uh, Poping ain't easy, dash the Pope. Poping ain't easy. <laughs> Poping ain't but easy. It always fun. <laughs> uh, Albert Nada Retro gave us $5 and said, Lauren Chen was in a rage over domestic violence against men. You should seek out the video. Not all men are bigger either. Oh no. Yeah, no, not all men are bigger. But yeah. not all little women uh, are not, uh, even even if uh, the man is bigger, not all li little women are harmless. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, and, it, and, and I think I think there's probably like a, a proportional rate of, of smaller women to the um, the amount of, of detriment that they can wield because they know that they are smaller and weaker. So what they do is they find bigger and badder ways of, you know, trying to, uh, uh, well, here's, here's it, another thing. All right. And this is from the standpoint of somebody who has, um, been, has, has had to move people's bodies around. Um, when they have uh, mobility issues themselves and and has had to do this with people who were bigger than me because I worked in nursing homes So I worked with people who ranged from you know being the stereotypical skinny old person little old person to being the large tall Overweight whatever have you know very varying degrees of this person is bigger than me from one way or another and you You can learn to use the other person's leverage and the other person's weight for leverage uh, mm -hmm. and and uh just being if you can't slug somebody and hurt them um it's you have to be in a in a fight a smaller person can grab a person and swing them and hurt them um, yeah. the first time i defended myself successfully and then was scared that i had hurt the other person it was because when she threw a punch at me i grabbed her arm and pulled and and uh, swung her to the ground and then uh, knocked the wind out of her um, and it wasn't, I didn't punch her in the jaw. You know, I didn't do any of that. That was when I was like eight years old. Um, the last person who seriously injured me in an attack was shorter than me. And I probably outweighed her by about 40 pounds. But she got a grip on me and slammed me into a wall. And uh, ended up with a concussion. 
So mm. like this is this is uh size doesn't matter. It no. really doesn't. A small person and a big person uh, it it doesn't matter. Uh, what you know how to do matters and uh luck matters and whether I'll, or not I'll the just... person defends himself matters a lot. Uh and and I'll, so I'll on. Share... I'll share a very, very brief story of my ex-husband and my stepson, who was two or three at the time, and uh, my ex was uh, sort of behind him. He was crouching down, and my ex was behind him tying his shoes, and uh, then it's like, okay, you ready to go? And the kid stands up, and his head goes bang in his chin, and uh, the kid was fine. But my ex was unconscious for about 10 minutes. Oh, man. I bet that hurt, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that would really suck. That would really suck. But, yeah. So, like, the idea that just because a guy is bigger and stronger, he should take it is just such utter bullshit. And the only reason that our society gets away with that is that they're arguing it on behalf of women. Right. Nobody would exactly. argue that on behalf of a smaller man attacking a bigger man. No, and, and and let's let's not pretend like like there are not female black belts out there. Yeah, I took self defense <laughs> from one when I was in in college. Yeah, and women can do a hell of a lot of damage if a man isn't fighting back. This is an argument I got into on Twitter with a woman. I said, "What gives you the right to hit somebody who can't hit back?" Yeah, well, actually, mm -hmm. the t the time I was just talking about when I got the concussion, I couldn't fight back in that situation without creating a worse situation that would have endangered a more vulnerable person, and that was bad. And I so yeah, yeah part of the reason I got hurt was because I couldn't do anything. Yeah, um, and and speaking speaking about leverage, um, men have a lower center of gravity than women do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can absolutely use that to your advantage. You can use um, a higher center of gravity too. Yeah. So, like you, if you just just having a uh, you know a person who is is violent regularly learns to to uh, exploit every advantage they can get, and mm -hmm. uh, so you can take somebody, uh, you can put somebody off balance easier if their center of gravity is higher. Um, yeah. And you can you can move somebody. Uh, with with a lower sense of gravity, uh, once you get them moving, it's harder for them to stop. So I mean, there's different mm -hmm. things, right? Uh, but in any case, you have you have all those reasons why the idea of size size is irrelevant when when there's two people with equal um, control over themselves, you know, and engaged in any kind of conflict, and somebody decides to turn it into a violent conflict. Uh, Albert Nada retro donated gave us five dollars and said, Grandma Nada used to say. Uh, if they're big enough to hit you, they're big enough to be hit. Mm-hmm. Fresher Luke yep. gave us $5 and said, You mentioned how cartoons today have been destroyed by feminism. I would say it's not necessarily feminism. I would say it's by a combination of political correctness and snowflakery, nannyism. Yes. Like, nannyism and yeah. feminism are not the same thing. Uh, yes. Feminism is is sort of gynocentrism plus class warfare. Nannyism is... The idea that children are um, completely blank slates with no capability to uh, assess things for their for, on their own, no capability to um, develop uh, from hardship as well as they can develop from um, 
from from benevolent things and so if you show them something ugly they will become ugly as they as they grow instead of <laughs> learning how to deal with that ugliness uh, and if yeah. you show them something ridiculous they will adopt it as a reality instead of learning the difference between ridiculousness and reality and uh, it, it, that's what set off the anti-comics book thing that's what set off the anti-rock and roll thing that's what set, set off the anti-dungeons and dragons thing and the attack on cartoons is no different um, <clears throat> let's see uh, Tyler Preston gave us five dollars and said regarding Hannah's comment about helicopter dads being seen as abusive I thought of the great Santini movie for some reason and I don't know if anybody has any comment on that. I've never seen um, I, I would try to comment, but my dog is like being really obnoxious. <laughs> Your dog does not like the great Santini. <laughs> How is that different from any other? Yeah, no, there? but she's up here right now. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, I literally had two hours of peace with just Borat, but oh. now Kevin is here. Oh, Kevin. Albert Nada gave us uh, $5 and said, I want to thank Karen for all the help she tried to give me last year and passing on email. And then Matthew uh, Maddo gave $2 and said, Karen, those laws were not in place yet. Um, the one thing I will say is that those, those laws, uh, the Jewish laws, but those those laws were were based on older practices. And uh, so it's, it's kind of a, this is a kind of thing one of the things people don't realize with respect to sexual violence against women and sexual uh, misconduct with a woman between a man and a woman those didn't evolve out of the idea of bodily autonomy like feminists think they did those yeah, no, evolved, no. those evolved out of the effort at controlling reproduction and the ability to trace family heritage in order to prevent incest in order to prevent disloyalty in order to use marriage as a business arrangement between families and tr tribes um, and and so on it had absolutely nothing to do with bodily autonomy uh, and so it wasn't presumed traumatic on the basis that the woman her had her bodily autonomy violated like it was no more traumatic than any other type of a, an assault and in fact could be less traumatic if it was just sexual misconduct uh, it was more a matter of this was a woman whose reputation had been besmirched or this was a woman whose uh, whose position <coughs> in her family or in her society had just been damaged uh, so it was a liability issue and it didn't necessarily always have anything to do with force or or anything like that it's part of the reason i think that we were able to evolve an attitude in our society uh in which we treat sexual misconduct or um sort of conflicting feelings over a sex act after the fact because of those older attitudes regarding sex as uh, evidence of a, a sexual violence when there was no violence that that stuff is so ingrained that people sort of treat it that way even though that's not the way it is and it does make it a lot harder to uh, recognize that our modern uh, looking at it as a as a bodily autonomy issue for women is um, something that we can equally apply to men and uh, and that that there isn't a significant difference between the the uh, wrongness of the act and the 
uh, trauma of the act when when it's genuinely a situation of force or coercion uh, or taking advantage of somebody's incapacitation and uh, so that's like it's 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 one of those things that feminists get history wrong and therefore they get that particular crime wrong um, but yeah they the laws weren't in place yet but the the standards were um, and and I, I will say that but it still would have been a difference between like Jewish law itself wouldn't necessarily have applied because it was a uh, it was not a Jewish uh, run system but there was probably I would say with Egyptian law there were probably other things in place that were just as uh, meaningful so but that was the end of our super chats um, we we lost Allison I think she had to take off yes yeah, she's off good night so um, and we are going to end the show here because there really isn't anything else for us to go over with respect to the discussion that isn't going to take us into another hour-long show that I can't do. <laughs> um, so we might talk a little more about, you know, how do we how do we fix this problem? How do we get from society doesn't recognize um, women's agency to society does recognize women's agency? That'll have to be another show topic for another night. Uh, I mean, so, I, I think I think we just have to wake men up to the realization that they do not have to be responsible for women's uh, choices and yeah. and the, the the you know the consequences of that. Yeah, widening um, the umbrella of the men's rights movement will make a big difference. No, you know no. that that actually getting more men under that umbrella, getting more people um, to recognize that. Uh, you do not have to tolerate a uh, a failure in women to recognize their own agency, and you don't have yeah. to pick up where women women leave off. You don't have to pick up leave women's off. slack in that area. Um, we have yeah. one last super chat. Uh, Jay Daniels donated a dollar ninety nine in euros, or I don't know how how that works. Pounds. Whether dollars. <laughs> no, it's euros. It's a it's the E symbol, not oh. the not the L symbol, uh, okay. the E looking symbol. I can't remember what it's called, um, but yeah so uh with that i am going to take us out of the show so i will thank everybody for listening uh kept the sausage to a moderate length i guess um <laughs> and uh, i thank my co-hosts for sticking out the length of sausage that we we did uh have and i'm going to cut the sausage off at this point with my thanks to everybody who works in the background to make hbr talk happen good night all this is Honey Badger Radio. Radio with With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.